0: I'll also say in terms of the script I wrote, going back to that here for a second, you know, people often talk about AI and chat GPT and this and that. And I, I actually felt I got some pretty good usage out of that this time around because, like I said, nice. Ruby's my background. and Ruby, is, so I'm very comfortable writing a script for that. But there's just certain annoying things that you tend to forget, right? Like in Rails land, I don't often work with creating custom CSV files or figuring mm-hmm. out how to do stuff. So it was really nice to have that prompt in the background where I could just say, okay, remind me again, like how do you do this one thing with right. CSV and like get an answer. Like, okay, I'm pretty sure that's the real answer, not a hallucination, so I'll try it. And, uh, you know, it generally worked or at least gave me the right direction. And so I definitely found like that was a win. Welcome, this is Taylor and I. We just kind of go crazy. <laughs> I hit the record button before he was ready. This is what we do it's spontaneity people this is um, yeah it just likes to ambush me with the record that's right well yeah, i figured the banter is the best part um yeah you seem to have some kind of secret twitter foo that i'm curious about because when i look at twitter it's mm-hmm. just this massive stuff and it updates weird i can never get the most recent thing especially on the phone app. For some reason it just keeps refreshing there's never yeah. the most recent feed as so I've tried using TweetDeck. I've tried some other things. I still just have a hard time mm-hmm. discovering good stuff on there. Do you have any secrets yeah. or are you just
1: reading it a lot? Um, I feel like I'm probably reading it a lot more than I should, uh, if, that's, if that's any insight there. So the the one thing, though, I think that I changed kind of how I interact with Twitter. Uh, initially, I was – or X, whatever we're calling it now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to continue to call it Twitter. But I had talked to somebody about, you know, people said the same thing, like, hey, like I get jobs off of Twitter. And I said, well, I, I enjoy using Twitter out of all the social media platforms. Twitter is one that I actually like don't hate. Um, there's a lot of like good tech stuff on there and those sorts of things. Uh, early on, it used to be a really great way to get a hold of companies when you couldn't write like, oh, I can't get through to support, but I can I can tweet at them. And all of a sudden, my my issue is going to be fixed in like an hour kind of type thing. And so uh, but I I have switched away at at a certain point to just really focusing more so on trying to engage with other people. And as I've engaged with other people, so, you know, you know, just replying to posts and things like that rather than just tweeting out random things or whatever um, that seems to have surfaced like better interactions in general just because i'm trying to be more engaging rather than creating content specific to twitter um i've i've been trying to just do that and for whatever reason like after doing that for um probably several weeks just making that more so the mindset um getting on there to engage rather than to um either create my own content or or, or whatever kind of type thing that's that seems to have helped out a lot so i've met, I've met a lot of really cool people through twitter because of that so big fan
0: Awesome. Well, yeah, I, I'll try to do more of that, too. My other issue, too, is I'm sort mm-hmm. of split strategically between using the Liquid Weekly Twitter profile to do stuff versus using my personal profile to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of so, people do, like, personal brand kind of thing where they're tweeting always from their – kind of like you and, and Kurt and other folks, mm-hmm. Gil. Um, but I tend to stay with the Liquid Weekly profile because, I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just because – yeah, well, yeah, and I think different different strategies <laughs> – Work for different people, like said so I. Uh, for everything else um, on social media, I don't like using like Facebook all that much. As far as like creating content for Facebook or Instagram, I've never got Instagram, even though I know a lot of uh, friends who said they've been very successful uh, interacting with other people on Instagram or getting jobs off of Instagram and stuff like that. It's just never worked for me because I just don't get it. So for those, I do really just have that uh, my my business that I operate under is the Pages Media. So. Um, I do just have accounts for that and I post content on there once a week just to try to like have a presence, right? But other than that, sure. I don't engage or interact with people with those accounts. Uh, I just use my personal accounts on the, the platforms that I enjoyed using. Uh, so LinkedIn's another good one where I found a lot of work through there and also met a lot of really cool people through there. So that's one that I try to be more active. And from that perspective, I do approach it from the more personal perspective. But if you're not a Twitter guy... You know, don't force it. You know, don't no, don't I mess am, with I'm it. I'm a Twitter guy. I can twist. I can tweet.
0: I'm a twit. <laughs> no, I do remember the well. I'm going to I was going to say a, my story about the first time I used Twitter and I was like, "This is pointless," but it was a long time ago. Now I get it. But um, now you let's get it. You here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for diving right in. So, in terms of kind of updates, what we're working on and what life's thrown our way. So, I have been focused mm-hmm. on. Exploring Shopify Functions and Checkout Extensions, which it's a whole new world for me. It's been very humbling, and I'm not going to talk too much about it today, because I still am so ignorant. People would just turn this podcast off because of the misinformation spewing forth. But hopefully soon, I'll be able to talk more in-depth about it. But essentially, what I'm trying to do is write my first checkout extension, and along with Thanks. having to learn about how that works, I'm also using React, which I'm not a React guy. I've tried to stay. My wheelhouse is more Ruby land, server-side rendering, that sort of thing. And if anything, Mm -hmm. I messed around with Vue, but this I figured well, the masses are going with React. I'll try React, partially because I'm also using Gadget um, to kind of do the app. I was I was going to ask if you were building it from the ground up or if you were going to use Gadget for that. So it's humbling three new sort of technologies slash paradigms uh, at once, and it's like oh, you know I've been a seasoned developer, been around a long time, pretty comfortable with development hard to appreciate sometimes for new folks that are getting into stuff just how overwhelming it can be so opportunities like this are a nice reminder of like okay when you have zero context around some of the stuff it's just a lot to kind of take in and figure out a way to sort of navigate through it and get some very basic stuff done so
1: that's awesome what so yeah. what are you you know if you're, you don't mind me asking what what are you what are you building what's what's your first checkout extension attempt here
0: yeah it is uh, a checkout extension to verify Customers' ages, so certain products nice. might be age restricted, and that those rules might vary by state or by locale. So there are apps in the app store that already do this, but none that are checkout extensions. And I'm kind of niching down to a particular market anyway. So we'll see. It's a great exercise to try to learn how all this works. And uh, yeah, that's
1: awesome. Have you seen? So probably by the time we release this, it's probably going to be closed. But Gadget had released an incubator as well, see where, where they yeah. have this open program where. They're gonna basically work with a handful of people, kind of mentor them uh, and help them launch as well. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, as, that they're that they're doing that. I thought.
0: Yeah, I was. I saw that too. I did see that on Twitter. I oh, saw that much, and I was like, oh, maybe I should do that too. But I uh, need to dig a little deeper. Do you have any sense of the time commitment? Because that would be my big thing. I was like, oh man.
1: Yeah, yeah I'm so I'm pretty around. sure they have an FAQ. On their site, let me see if I can pull this up while we're talking here. And I think the idea was like five to ten hours a week, kind of type okay. thing. So I know it's not super heavy necessarily, or I could be making that up. Mm-hmm. So uh, at least see, that, by the time this launches, though, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, like um, main gig, side gig,
0: see. family, free time,
1: incubator." <laughs> it's huh? it's hard, right? <laughs> like that's possible. I, like I had talked to. Mo was was the original way so Mo's one of the co-founders and he had reached out just been like hey have you seen this like you know maybe maybe you should apply or whatever it would be a good good thing uh, potentially to work out for and I you know I I have such trouble saying no I don't know if you're like this as well you are because your your schedule is also incredibly loaded Uh, and so I like had to honestly look at my schedule. was like man I'm just so tapped right now I would love to do something like this gadget is such a cool program um, or app or service, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but they, uh, they're doing really cool things. And Mo obviously knows what he's talking about. Um, he's one of the guys that created like Shopify checkout. Right. So, you know, dude is super smart, really knows what he's doing, really committed to the space. And, um, you know, I just had to be real honest was like, I don't think so. Well, that's I, especially coming out of summer here. Uh, my kids are finally going back to school and so that uh, is going to give me a lot more uh, consistency in my schedule, which is great. But I've got two projects that have been kind of just hanging over my head that I really just need to button up and launch. And so uh, I'm looking forward to that. And I really can't commit to something like that, probably. Plus uh, all my demands. Unfortunately. your time. So. Plus all of your demands, right? I didn't want to say anything. Um, that was the the subcontext there, breeding between the lines. So I'm glad you're good at that. But uh, they also, Gadget also came out where it's not just Shopify specific. They're expanding to it. like any kind of like JavaScript app or whatever in general. So it's, it's pretty neat. I think it's a pretty cool tool. Uh, they, they're, uh, some real smart guys. So guys and gals over there that are just really, really good at what they do. Yeah.
0: I always feel a little incompetent whenever I read anything from them. Cause I either interact with Mo or Ralph hmm. and Mo's, you know, doing crazy technical stuff. I'm sure Ralph is too, but Ralph often tweets about his different, like backpacking, hiking adventures that he goes on. It's like, Oh, that guy's hardcore. Yep pretty yeah i went for a walk around the block today it was hot (laughs) it's good
1: whoa yeah (laughs) geez yeah it already warmed up right i'm just saying like compared to like what he does on a, a typical day or weekend like oh Okay. yeah heavy backpacking he's going miles and miles yeah I can't remember one uh it, well it's always hard because he's he's doing I think he does the, the international so he's in like kilometers where he's right talking about all this hiking he's doing so I'm like trying to do the math on like how far that always is or whatever it always sounds really far though I think I'm going to switch to kilometers too I think it sounds way okay. way cooler you know I did 25 sure. kilometers today and you know that's like 13 miles or something like that right or whatever but it sounds way cooler if it's kilometers so I'm, I'm gonna start converting to. I think. I well, can start saying clicks. I did 13 clicks today. Ooh, yeah, that's cool. That's did like clicks kilometers, life, or thing? is that miles? I,
0: no, I feel like I've heard it used in a kilometers context, but okay,
1: believe, it makes sense. Clicks, kilometers. Yeah, makes sense. All right.
0: Someone listening to this <laughs> is going to understand <laughs> our ignorance and call us out on it, which is totally fine. So that's what I've been focused on. Which is good. And I'll be honest, working on that. I'm, I'm circling back now. Working on yeah. the um. Function and learning React, it's been very refreshing. I I don't do as much coding in my main gig right now, and I forget sometimes how much I actually like the codes, especially learning something new. It's just the puzzle, like how come I can't figure out how to get a resource from an API and do something Mm. with it in a way that works, right? Because the whole paradigm is different for me, right? It's reactive. I'm not used to that. I'm used to imperative programming, functional programming kind of stuff. So it's been fun. Mm. Stretch the brain. How It makes me feel
1: better. Yeah, the front end dev stuff. So interestingly enough, I've also been working a little bit on checkout extensions and trying what? to refresh myself on React that I haven't touched in a while. Well, so I've I've been moving a lot of folks where we were pretty seriously looking at moving our checkout.liquid customizations that we had. So before where we've and currently we we had access to checkout.liquid to do some some of this fancy customization stuff if you're Shopify Plus. Um, so that way they can do some stuff in the checkout. And so we do that just with JavaScript, right? And so, you know, Shopify said, oh, no, we're doing these extension checkout extensions now, so you need an app. So not super great, but now we're back to, okay, well, we've got this pathway for uh, extensions only, which we, we talked about. Um, so if it's an extension only kind of type thing, and it's real, real bare bones, right? Like, uh, which I'll, I can talk a little bit about, just like some of the caveats or pain points of that. Maybe we'll do a more fleshed out episode at some point. But sure, the I way agree. that I did that before... I would still bake in some settings, basically, into these stores, um, their uh, theme settings. And so oh. you can kind of pass along, like, oh, we want this product to be at checkout as the upsell item or, or what have you. Uh, but now with the extensions-only options, I don't. there's just no way to do that at all. It's just straight logic that runs. So it's good for a banner uh, or a persistent item that we want to show at checkout all the time kind of type thing, but it's, it's really not a good use case for most things. So really, you know, we are going to have to reach for things that are front end devs, converting these things. If you want any kind of interface at all to something like gadget or, you know, just becoming a little bit of a, of a backend dev too. So, yeah. Um, so playing around with that a little bit this week and uh, yeah, getting used to gosh, like react hooks and stuff or whatever. Like I just like having to like relearn some things that I haven't had to touched in a while. So that. Biggest thing then, uh, aside from that, this this other app or other project I'm trying to push out is an update. So a um, agency had built a client that I'm working with a custom theme a while ago based on a premium Shopify theme. And so now they wanted to update to Online Store 2.0 and get all you know the, the nice fancy stuff or whatever that comes along for the ride. And so that's been a project that's uh, just been a persistent thing just with a lot of custom templates and things like that and, it, and a larger, more established site. And so we keep running into little bits and pieces of things, too. Like, they have a brick and mortar, and we couldn't do some things because it would mess with their POS and all this other stuff. And so a um, handful of little little, little pieces there that have tripped tripped me up that have kind of brought me back to the drawing board on some things. So, now, is that a project uh, that but it's you been
0: good. a fixed cost for, or is it an hourly one? Like, are you feeling the pressure because you're eating the cost of overruns, mm-hmm. or are you okay
1: yeah that's a good question um so no at least for me the way that it kind of came out was hey here's like the range of like what we would be looking for so I, I usually try to do that in an instance where if something is that deep where we've got a bunch of custom templates and stuff happening um other third-party vendors and things of that nature we have to like worry about accounting for that's that's when i'll, I'll provide a range and they've they've been really great about uh, when things have taken a little bit more time and stuff so far so no i'm not thankfully eating the cost there uh, and those sorts of things, but I also communicated very much so upfront. like without more information, it's going to be really hard to do the discovery that we need to do on this sure. or what have you. So no, that, that part's been good. It's just more about, um, you know, in, in my, the way that I did this summer, I scaled back a lot, kind of worked more so with existing clients and didn't worry about like onboarding anybody new or taking on anything new because I wanted to have a more flexible schedule while my kids were out of school uh, for the summer. Now that they're going back, going to ramp things up and then obviously like black friday cyber monday um projects start you know mm-hmm. really start stacking up and the year really the rest of the year will get scheduled out for me here probably pretty soon well that's exciting
0: yeah um well one last question in terms of your personal update so i know two weeks yeah. ago you were supposed to do that triathlon that you managed to get canceled Whoa, i totally forgot by about planting that you call the water yeah which <laughs> So we went to that same park last weekend. Yeah. And uh, my daughter is like covered in hives now. (laughs) No. Are you serious? I'm not blaming the water. She was in the water. I'm not blaming that. I don't think she's got E. coli. But uh, it was interesting. I thought it'd be the whole weekend because I'm like, oh, this is the park where Taylor was going to crush it. (laughs) But what have you done in the interim as you kind of wait? for them to reschedule like are you still training are you just sitting on the couch now but what, yeah what's so
1: yeah so they they, they 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 did cancel that that week so thankfully you know i was able to um you know get out of like the hotel and everything or whatever that we were going to stay at the night before because a couple hours away from me i know it's closer to you um but at least for us uh i i've still just been training and they and they just straight up cancel it typically what they would do is they'd either reschedule a race like that or they would just say, "Okay, well, if we're not going to do the swim event, we'll just do what's like a duathlon. So you're just going to bike and run." And they they didn't do that at all. They just straight up canceled it. So I'm not sure if they could, they didn't want to deal with the logistics. So I did have to find another race that's actually going to be in Akron area. So Portage Lakes, and so I have still been training. And stuff just not probably like as much because i kind of honestly like hit hit a little bit of the wall it was pretty disappointing when it got uh rescheduled yeah. and i had already been ramping down because you have this idea where you ramp up you train intensely and then coming into your race like the week prior you kind of like ramp down so that taper. way you're not you know yeah taper that's the term oh man you're good at this I'm an and athlete. so you're an athlete yeah <laughs> and so i i kind of had started that and then didn't really have anything planned for post uh other than just like kind of like standard like you know not not getting too lazy, and uh, but yeah. So I've I've still been working out and uh, doing the training pieces for that. It's just it's definitely not as intense probably as it was before. So it'll it'll be all right though. The interesting thing about this so there's a uh, we've talked about my my size before my my girth. I'm like right around 250 pounds. I'm a, I'm a heavier dude, and so there is a race division in triathlon called Clydesdale for like if you're over 220 pounds. For the women's wrong. for the women's that are in their their like heavier than whatever the average would be class, it's like the Athena's. I, I don't know why for the dudes it's like you're Clydesdales. Um so but the interesting Terrible. thing is for this race, so I can actually race in that division. And so it's it's a little bit less pressure, and maybe that's why I don't feel like as intense about it. Uh but I'm so I'm gonna be racing against other dudes who are like my size kind of type thing. And there's only two other guys set up, so if if that Ooh. actually like pans out, that means we're each guaranteed like a medal. <laughs> Cause there's Damn only it. three dudes in that division. So I'm going for that's, gold in this one.
0: That's the way to do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I uh well I think of you when I go out I try to get exercise in the morning. Usually it's like a half an hour mm-hmm. walk or run or something like that. And every time I go out I'm like, oh I gotta do something good because I know Taylor's probably swimming six miles or biking twenty miles or running I don't know what he's doing, but I got to do more than just fast walk for 20 minutes. Oh, here, so.
1: It's true. I'll start texting you. Be like, I'm already five miles ahead of you today. So Well, of course, by the time I do it, you
0: probably do it like at six in the morning or something. I'm out there like. I, like, I like Yeah,
1: eight, I so. do. It's the only way I can get, get it done. And if, if I don't do it first thing, I there's always things that will push it back. I'll be like, no, I have to get this project yeah. done or whatever. Like, oh, the kids need this done. Uh, you know, so if I don't get it done first thing in the morning. I'll find so many excuses not to do it. So is that's that's my be best your, strategy. Your
0: first winter in Ohio
1: since you moved, or your second? No, it'll be my second since I moved. Okay. Which okay. I did. I did used to write so you, live you here expect. years and years ago. But yeah, yeah. So well, just in terms of like you know,
0: six a.m. in December is a lot different than six a.m. in August, though yeah oh
1: yeah oh yeah well i i was running uh in december last year i would get up and go but usually uh, especially when it was like heavy snow or if it was just real wet outside i'd go to our local ymca we have a membership there so i nice. a treadmill. i i hate running on treadmills though it's so boring even if you can watch tv or youtube or whatever it's just it's just yeah. awful being stuck on a treadmill i like running outside so much more yeah totally
0: with you man well thanks for the update and uh if you yeah. want to come to a race, there's one right by my house, by an airport, and they have what they call a 5K on the runway, which on one hand sounds oh, awesome, on awesome. the other hand sounds annoying. Um, but if you want to enter that race, I think it's coming up in a week or two, so you can probably still get in.
1: Oh, man, I do need a good excuse to run down there. So now that the kids are finally back in school and off my back, I can, I can probably pop down there pretty quick. <laughs> run on down and then run on the runway and run home. So, no, cool. I'll uh, not run down. No way. i <laughs> um, I'll take my bike down that has a motor in it, my motorcycle down there. I'm going to take an actual bike or run down there. Woof. Woof, indeed. Um, but, so, hey, we're talking about migrations, right? Yes. I've Good Finally, sake, I I saw you're migrating to Columbus. Mike, how about you migrate your, your shop over to Shopify? <laughs> nice. um, so we, we were talking about, like, what to talk about, and it looks like you're trying to outdo me on the note-taking here because <laughs> you put in some really great... Like this really awesome outline here for you, which I don't know if you felt like you needed that for talking points or whatever. Because no, like mine I... was just like a bullet point. Like try to provide some insights here about my migrations, you know. So you're, sometimes it like, all just comes nice. together. And,
0: yeah. Um, no, I just wanted some notes right now. night. I was thinking about it I was like, oh, here's what I was thinking and it just got in my head. So yeah, let's talk migrations. Um, one of the projects that I have often been tasked with doing is migrating from one store in like a different system, um, big commerce most often to Shopify. And so having done it a couple of times, there's just some patterns and themes that I've recognized. And having done it recently with a very large store that had, I think upwards of a quarter million orders already in place, plus subscription yeah. payments, um, I thought it'd be helpful just to kind of talk to you what it was like for me to go through that process. It's actually still sort of in process though so we're mostly done and um nice take your long okay. for my journey you might ascend into madness here so
1: <laughs> no uh, like i said i i have not done a migration from big commerce yeah. so really interesting with some of the things that we've talked about just briefly so i'm really excited that we get to dive into this a little bit more because i think especially when you're using a tool like matrixify it's actually pretty easy to do uh if you're doing something like woocommerce because okay, there's okay. a nice api integration and so Big commerce though sounds so much more involved than something that would be a simple migration from WooCommerce. So I'm I'm interested yeah. to hear about that. you know the what you just said
0: that just triggered another thought. So I have to add to my bullet points here. But the and I'll try not to make this a monologue. So please interrupt me because I could just no one wants me hear me read my bullet points. Um, but the first thing that comes to mind is I would say number one, check your attitude about the third party system or second party system, however it is, because. I feel like whenever I come into one of these things, it's like, oh, whatever piece of software this is, is a total piece of crap. Like, this is going to be terrible, blah, blah, blah. And what a piece of garbage. How can anybody ever use this? Well, that's not going to help you with the migration, right? Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> so I know, it, exactly. it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing is to come to terms with that and then kind of poke around and see, like, you know, what opportunities do they offer for exfiltrating data? Um, mm-hmm. Is it simply exporting into a file format? Is there an API? Uh, are there some people that have already been down this road that have good documentation that you can kind of base it off of or the good tools? So it doesn't help to sit there and, and cringe and, and talk about how terrible it is. So some of us right. are more important than others. So if that's you, that's a good first step right there, right?
1: <laughs>
0: Check the attitude at the door. Check the attitude. That's right. The second thing is you basically when we're thinking in terms of Shopify, we're kind of getting down to three main categories of data we're trying to get out right. One, customers, products. And orders mm-hmm and they all sort of fit together as we know um, but a lot of those systems have distinct ways of getting at those and so your point about WooCommerce having a good API that triggered me because when I was thinking about our talk today I was only thinking about what the process was for getting orders out <laughs> and the reason is because in bit commerce that's a big pain but actually the customers and the products are pretty easy um, and that was because okay. they do actually have a pretty decent API for that. And Matrixify specifically has um, the ability to go in and grab it from that way. So nice. Yeah, so that was the first thing that I, I did. It's pretty straight order, is I use their docs to get API access to those things. The only mm-hmm. trouble was, depending on how you have BigCommerce set up, like who's in charge of it, getting an mm-hmm. actual API credential into BitCommerce can be a challenge because they have a lot of permissions Sometimes you have to kind of sort through those. And in this particular case, someone else is administrating BitCommerce, And so it took a bit of back and forth just as a consultant to like guide them into here's what I need from you. No, that didn't work. Please give me the permissions I need. No, that didn't work. No, really give me the permissions I need. Okay,
1: finally, that, oh, worked. Wow. You know, that kind of thing. So there um, was even from the client, there was like another like middleman, so to speak, in charge of yeah. issuing permissions.
0: Yeah. In this case, it was the store owners themselves. Right. And then there was okay. a third party technical Group they were working with actually managed BigCommerce, and then there was the group I was with, which was in charge of bringing that into Shopify.
1: And so it was kind of a circle of fun. But
0: gotcha. Everybody was so this great. was like another
1: era. another agency, so to speak, that was yeah. managing like their Big Commerce instance. Okay, gotcha. And if they're yeah, listening, that, I mean, they were the, great. Uh, it just adds uh, impedance to the whole thing. So well, yeah, every every extra layer. Well, the bigger the organization, right? That always taps on time, more complexity. Right. Versus as as opposed to like you're working directly with a brand owner who has permissions over everything. It's just like, oh yeah, here, here's all your, even when I ask for stuff, you know, I'll ask for permissions to get into a Shopify store. You know, you can, I, I, try to like request only permissions that I need. Right. But a lot of times when you're working at a brand owner, they're just like, I just gave you all the permissions. It's fine. You know, you're like, okay. Like I didn't actually need all of that. And I would encourage you not to do that with everybody, but like, thank you. That's, that would make my life easier, I guess, in the future. So, uh, yeah, that. Always adds some complexity there. So,
0: Yeah, and in this particular case, it was hampered by the fact that I don't really know BigCommerce apart from poking at this person's site. And so I didn't know exactly what it was I needed because I couldn't Mm -hmm. mess around with it on my own. I just had to read the docs and kind of hope for the best. And the docs, you know, depending on the system, they're hit or miss. So we got sorted out, though. Got the API access, and the customers and products came over pretty easy, which was nice. Because that, obviously, is a whole... World of pain for a lot of folks, right? Especially products, mm-hmm. making sure the descriptions and the images and all the variants also comes over. And so, unfortunately, if that's a struggle for you, a pain point for you right now, I don't have a lot to offer other than hopefully you're using Matrixify and hopefully whatever system you're coming from makes it easy. <laughs> <laughs> that's been my case for the most part. So, um, nice. yeah, so it's. it's
1: Yeah, I was going to say, so customers and products, relatively simple. It's orders that were really the complicated part. Yeah, in this case. And that Mm -hmm. comes down, as far
0: as I can tell, to two things. One is Matrixify didn't seem to offer an API way to grab these. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what I was left with was Matrixify's format and BigCommerce's format. Right. um, So... What I, I determined pretty quick was that there was not going to be an easy way to do this without involving some custom logic, and so being a Rubyist, I grabbed for the the best tool for the job, which is a Ruby script. And so what I ended up doing was determining, okay, what is the data I can get out of Big Commerce? and they actually have a system for creating what they call an export template, where you can
1: choose what fields you want. Nice. And, um, yeah. So I was. Can I was you trying order to... the way that they show up and stuff too to make it easier? Like once you do get it pulled out and Get to matrixify um, to bump it back in? Not really, which is
0: part of the need for the script again. Um, gotcha. So once I was able to export a few test orders and kind of see like, what was this information going to look like? And then I really poured mm-hmm. over the matrixify docs and they have some pretty good documentation showing like what are the required fields for an order import? What are some of the accessory fields of things you do or don't need, right? And so then mm-hmm. it became an issue of like, just writing a script to kind of basically in, ingest a CSV file that I exported out of BigCommerce and then emit another CSV file that was in Matrixify's preferred format. Um, there's lots of details I could go into there, but for the sake of our time and our audience, I won't necessarily. But the big one that really necessitated the script is with big commerce, when they mm-hmm. export an order, they have this fun little technique of like all the order information about line items, they just shove into a single field, <laughs> so which is great. Here all it right, all is. Got, <laughs> You've got this uh, this row representing an order, and if it had, I don't know, five line items in the order, they're all just embedded in a single column in this red sheet in CSV. It's like, okay. So Matrixify wants a separate row for every line item in an order. Right. And it's all linked together by the order number, right? And then you specify in each row, there's a column that tells you like what kind of row this is. Is it a line item row? Is this a shipping fulfillment row? whatever. And so the script basically had to go through each order coming out of the parse through the row or the column containing all the order information and split it out into the different components and create new rows in the spreadsheet. I'm sending over to matrix. That was the hardest part because yeah. One of the things that you run into is like, how do you take this glob of pretty much unformatted text and mm-hmm. then regex it out, parse it out into some distinct elements and for the most part it works, but then they'll throw things in like sometimes they used product labels that had like a colon in it that it broke the other, you know, so there's just a lot of edge cases I had to catch with the regex.
1: Right. That made that challenging. So right. So you yeah, there wasn't any consistent like identifier to split there in that instance. Right. Everything was just kind of dumped in there and you're just trying to figure out like how to parse out all of that data to get it something distinguishable that you could split it into different rows. When you're trying yes. to bump it into Matrixify, woof! And We're you're talking, talking about now. you're talking about like how much did you say? Like how many how many orders? Like two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, like that's that's <laughs> not a it's not a small amount of use cases. Well, and so when you're dumping this in too initially at least, do you have like a separate store that you're? Kind of like pushing all this stuff too in order to cache the failures before you're actually going to do like a final push say to like the actual store we're going to be migrating over to or what what is the use case for that for an actual kind of like dev store in that instance uh because i haven't had to deal with like that many potential scenarios right where yeah. if we're pulling that much data and we're getting that many potential failures because we've all done that before we're like all right, we're going to change this and we're going to catch this. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, well, this pop back was like a thousand errors or something like, well, like crap. Okay. Well, like now <laughs> figure out this use case. Like, okay, I got that down to 837. Okay, great. Like now, I'm you know, and so, so where, where is that in that back and forth? Do you have like a staging or dev store set up for that? Or great what, question. What's, what does that look like? Mm-hmm.
0: So in this particular case, I was fortunate in that this is a brand new store in Shopify. So essentially okay. it was the sandbox, right? So no one else was right. depending on the data at this point. And as a programmer, you know one of the best things you can do for yourself is to set up a a tight feedback loop, whether it be like a compilation thing or testing thing, whatever. The quicker you can run your changes, get the feedback, the better. And so what I ended up doing was I exported um, like a week's worth of data out of BigCommerce. Mm -hmm. So it was still a fair number of orders, like 100 orders, something like that. And so I would use that as my test. And so I would import that into Shopify, see what went wrong, and then delete it out of Shopify using matrixify that was another trick was like how do you delete 100 mm-hmm. orders quickly it's like well actually you can uh, matrixify you just yep. import the order numbers in a command called delete and you're done right so yep. it was maybe a minute or two in terms of the, the feedback loop so it wasn't super quick nice but it was better than you know the importing from Matrixify it can take hours depending on how much data you're bringing in right so <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yeah
1: it's 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 a lot right 'Cause it's making
0: all these API calls. It's not like a straight up file import in the back end, it's actually making Shopify API calls. And so there's throttling going on. There's just mm-hmm. the natural stuff of how long it takes going on. So
1: well and there um, are limits too to what you can you can upload at a time, And, and Matrixify is yeah. pretty good about like queuing stuff as necessary, right? Or whatever. Yes. But like in the instance that you're talking about, I don't remember what the rate what the limit is or what oh, right have you. No. With, I, I was gonna I was gonna ask, what are what kind of limitations are you having to work around sure. where something like Matrixify is almost necessary because just from the time factor that you're saving using a tool yeah. like this as opposed to trying to batch everything in like a thousand orders at a time and like uploading this manually to get around stuff.
0: Well, that's the good question, Taylor. So even with Matrixify, like they have four different plan levels, I think, mm-hmm. at the time I was looking at it. And so, right. you know, the, the store owner had told them to please install the app. They installed the app and they picked, I think it was like the lower or medium level. Which was fine, but sure. then as I got into it, what I discovered was, like, one order in um, big commerce would translate into a lot more l- lines for Matrix to buy. And so I was yeah. going to realize this is going to take forever. Like, um mm-hmm. I was going to have to split up the data. And then if you're doing that, like, if you've got 250,000 orders, and you say you have to do them in batches of 10,000 or whatever, right? Now you have to not mm-hmm. only do all the data transversion, conversion stuff, but now you've got to track on your own where you're at in that process of splitting it up and inputting it into Matrixify. So that just introduces a whole lot of opportunity for making mistakes, overlapping data, missing data, that kind of stuff. It's just a nightmare because it's not like you can track it and boom, 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 cue it all up. It's like you've got to wait for Matrixify to finish because another part of this loop is that when Matrixify finishes, there's almost always errors in the data mm-hmm. you sent over, right? So now you've got to download the results out of Matrixify, identify those error columns, and then deal with those as well. So I'm going to talk about that here in a second. Long story short, I cheated and said, look, guys, the difference <laughs> between what, what you're paying now for Matrixify versus like their super duper unlimited plan, it, the cost max is out of $200 a month, which is a lot of money. But that's like it, an it, hour. Now when you're of paying in time. time, though. Right. I was going to say. You know what I mean? Uh Um, depending on the debt, right? So it's like, just upgrade, we'll get a whole month, and then I won't have to split this stuff up. It's going to work a lot better. And luckily, they were agreeable to it. And uh, once that was done, you just downgraded back to the other plan, right? It's not a big deal. Matrixify makes it easy. Right. Yeah.
1: And that's that's sometimes, like, that's the conversation you have to have, right? Is, like, there are instances where people don't want to pay for, like, the high-end plan or whatever, because they are looking at them as, oh, this is one app, and it's $200 a month. And you have to kind of expect, well, this is not $200 a month, every month ongoing for the end of time here that your store is running. This is, we need the capabilities that this has specifically for this instance. And you can always drop it back down or we're not using matrixify. We actually don't have to maintain after that fact. This is this is how they make their money, these big migrations, right? So yeah, it's it's not a hard sell when you do the math on, well, this is what I'm going to charge hourly. And if I can't use a tool like this, you know, this is this is how much this is going to end up costing. Yeah. Uh, that's that's real easy math to showcase right there, right? Exactly, because the crazy thing is
0: when I, we upgraded to the big plan, and you know, I, I imported mm-hmm. maybe a month's worth of data up to this point as part of my process. Like, okay, now I've got like the rest, mm-hmm. like three years worth of the data to bring over, the other 220,000 orders, whatever it is. So it upgraded the big plan so it would handle it all in one swoop, one big file. And then mm-hmm. when I uploaded it to Matrixify, it took, I think, four days for it to finally yeah. turn through that. So you imagine me as a developer like having to split all that up, and then one thing at a time, get it up there. Again, because it's not just having split up multiple files and getting them into Matrixify and having them crunch, but it's dealing with now you've got 10 files and 10 sets of error records you have to bring back into some place to kind of work through those. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just way easier if you can... The cost is almost always worth it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's just
1: Well, yeah, because that well and in software, that's the nice thing about it from that perspective, as opposed to you doing it manually. I mean, it took me Tricks of five, four days, but right. you know, you having to work through all that in a manual process would have taken several weeks because yep. that was running twenty four seven right while it was while it was running. So um yeah, very, very different then.
0: I'll also say in terms of the script I wrote, going back to that here for a second. You know, people often talk about AI and chat GPT and this and that, and I—I I actually felt I got some pretty good usage out of that this time around because, like I said, nice. Ruby's my background and Ruby is—I'm so very comfortable writing a script for that. But there's just certain annoying things that you tend to forget, right? Like in Rails land, I don't often work with creating custom CSV files or figuring mm-hmm. out how to do stuff. So it was really nice to have that prompt in the background where I could just say, "Okay, remind me again, like how do you do this one thing with right. CSV?" and like get an answer. Like okay, I'm pretty sure that's the real answer, not a hallucination. So I'll try it, and uh, you know, it generally worked or at least gave me yeah. the right direction. And so I definitely found like that was a win, uh, just keeping me unstuck. Um, even if it wasn't always perfect or the code that I really needed, it it was enough that it kind of kept me moving forward. So that was a nice win yeah. there.
1: Well, and that's that's the big the big uh, point where something like AI, like ChatGPT or what what's the oh Copilot, uh, the other option here, or whatever. If you're just using that directly in something like VS Code or whatever, you know. Those are great tools for when you actually know what you're talking about. You know the right things to ask. And because there's this this issue where people have talked about that, and they talked about this a little bit with Sidekick, where they're using AI, that Shopify's new AI tool that's going to be coming mm-hmm. out, is the difficulty of getting consistent results. And you'll even see that in ChatGPT, where you can feed it pretty much the same prompt, and it'll give you a different response. So right. you have to kind of know what you're talking about in order to, one, give it the right stuff to try to get something back that's going to actually be usable. And then two, be able to call it on its, uh, on its errors there, as far as like, uh, no. So I I see it more as like, you know, when probably like kind of the same thing is early on, like when Google search comes out, right. And you're actually able to search for things like ask Jeeves early on. It's kind of like this idea, but it actually gives you back something that you're looking for instead of me having to sit through 18 different blog posts, after I can find what I need on stack overflow or something right so yeah uh, that that's really really handy for something like that it really cuts that time in half
0: the one area I really wanted it to work well but it just fell down was some of these regexes I had to construct to parse out this weird data oh, like, you know I
1: love using it for regex and it, it didn't work well for you
0: maybe I just didn't do the prompt right but it was a pretty complicated thing I was trying to describe right and so gotcha yeah. everything that spit out was just slightly off and you know, some people just get regex. I've got a friend, Matt, if you're listening, I've always respected you for that. I know how to regex, but not to this level, right? And so I just didn't want to have to do that deep dive to get this little
1: bit working. Um, but unfortunately... People who it, get regex are not human. Your friend, Matt, is is a is a, is a droid. He, there's yeah, he, no one. It's just... But it is. It's big brain stuff, right? You know, yeah. as far as that... I, I do the same thing. I've always had to, like, look up the reference, even for simple stuff. And so now I use ChatGPT for that all the time. Like I need this instead of having to work through it. Um. So once I got that working,
0: the Mm -hmm. the the bulk of stuff. What I also realized was that there was a couple fields that I'm kind of backing up now. Going, I'm I'm being a React app. I'm (laughs) nonlinear. I'm updating some data that I shared with you earlier. Um. So after I got the basic flow working, um. With the order import, what I realized is that they also needed ship, shipping data in the order in Shopify. Like they wanted to see the tracking numbers, all this kind of stuff, right. which is legit. Totally get it. Um, sure. This is another thing that BigCommerce made a lot of fun in that they don't export that information in the order export. <laughs> Why would you? Um, so what? that information is what? available, but it, you have okay. to export a separate table um, called shipments, which luckily has the order number. Um, okay. But it's different, right? And so what mm-hmm. I ended up having to do is I ended up with a two-step process. So the first thing is I did is I exported all the shipment information mm-hmm. out of BigCommerce. And I brought it over into a spreadsheet, and I had a, a script that went through that. And then what I was going to do was I was going to bungee that into the CSV of the order as I was going through the order CSV and mm-hmm. bring them together and then put that in my final thing. What I discovered was that was way too slow. Um, For reasons I can't quite remember, but it just didn't work out. So the path I took (laughs) was I wrote a second script in Ruby um, that took the shipment CSV out of BigCommerce and created a SQLite database of that shipment information. So it's basically the key was the order number and then the columns were the necessary things about the shipment I wanted, which are basically like the tracking number and the shipping method and that kind of stuff. Gotcha. So I first would construct that database. And then <laughs> I would run my original script, and in the loop to generate the order CSV, it was able to then query the database for that order number and get an answer. Look at split um, oh, nice. for what it needed.
1: Yeah, that's I've I've heard so much about, and this is the the uh, ignorant front end dev uh, me is that SQL is like super helpful, like just for pretty much everything. Like if you can yeah. figure out like how to get good at SQL, like you're you're not gonna. You know, it's kind of the same thing. If you're if you're in web development, getting better at JavaScript, I feel like just always makes you a better developer. I feel like SQL is one of those things that always pops up. That if you can get good at SQL, like it's just going to make you a better uh, developer, engineer, all around kind of type thing. Because there's so many Definitely. so many use cases for it. Yeah. And you know the the
0: ninety percent of what you need to do with it is very easy to learn. I would I would think right. There's we well, can go mm-hmm. deep in the weeds for sure, but the basics of querying and joining and stuff like that, it's actually not too hard. Um, so
1: I think most. Yeah, I've just never messed with. I've never really had mm-hmm. to mess with it before, so it's it's you know something I definitely need to do. It needs to be on my radar, especially now that I'm starting to get more into app dev uh, with all this checkout extension stuff or whatever. At a certain point, I'm gonna need to learn uh, how to how to mess around with databases and stuff like that. So I maybe I
0: missed something, but when I was working on it, you know, the reason I went the SQL route was because if I had the CSV file of 200,000 shipment lines mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Um, when I'm going through my order, I'm basically using Ruby like, hey, look into the CSV data set, see if you can find the one that has the column that starts with this order number and bring it back, right? Pretty easy code to write, but the performance was just awful. And I'm realizing it's just because of the way the CSV data is structured, like it's having to go through all that information in memory and try to find it. And so mm. if there was a better way to do it, I could have avoided the whole SQLite database thing. But honestly, especially again, using chat GPT to remind myself to go, how do you just spin up a SQLite database real quick? Super easy, it's a couple lines of code, yeah. then you get the performance, um, it was just a non-no-brainer. Non <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of no-brainers. A non-brainer. So yeah, so that was like the other tricky part. So okay, you've got the orders now, you're munching the shipment information, you send it over to Matrixify. So the final step of this whole process is again, when it finishes running, you get a whole bunch of errors back. Like it will show you how many records were successfully imported, and how many were mm-hmm. errors, and it gives you the ability to download what they call the results file, which is basically all the original data you sent over plus an additional column or two that explains whether it was successful or not along with the reasons why it wasn't successful. So this is interesting. Um, When you get that file back, what I was finding was I was getting an error rate of about 0.3% of the orders were failing, which doesn't sound like a lot, but 0.3% of Mm. 250,000, it was a lot. A couple thousand, right? That's a lot. Um, Okay. And so now you're like, what do you do? (laughs) Because you've got... A couple thousand records. It's a lot of data. Like we're talking, you know, 75 columns in a spreadsheet. So it's not easy to like look over necessarily. And the error messages they give you, they're very verbose, which is great, but it makes it hard to categorize Mm -hmm. them, right? You couldn't just sort the column, like show me all the phone numbers that failed, show me all the whatever's that failed. It it just wouldn't work out. So you kind of had to introspect them almost one-on-one. What I ended up discovering was that there was a couple big classes of errors I was running into. Uh, One was it did not like if the customer was already in place and you were sending over a customer information with a phone number. I don't quite Mm -hmm. understand to this point even why that was a problem, but the solution ended up being just delete the phone number out
1: of the data right so for those records i think you've run into that a lot like the same customer showing up again and ordering again that's the whole goal of commerce it was weird and there's probably more
0: to it than i took the time to dig into but basically was like you know what just delete the phone number we'll get those over that was a big one um Mm -hmm. another one was exceeding like column links like some of the notes for order notes were just full of garbage essentially coming out of e commerce and so finding those and deleting them yeah um some other ones were weird. I kept running into this one that said, um, you cannot use this as the delivery method. I'm like, what are you talking about delivery method? There's nothing delivery-esque about this. And then what I realized was that it was referring to the phone number. So this is the one trick I think people will find helpful. The errors mm-hmm. that Matrixify is sending back are actually the API error messages coming right out of Shopify. And so if you're trying to understand like, what is Matrixify hung up on here? best thing to do is actually open up an API Explorer or whatever and start messing with that particular rows worth of data, sending it over to Shopify and seeing what you're getting back because that's the way you can kind of narrow down to whatever data is causing those problems. So what I realized is delivery was referring to phone message delivery. Um, and so it was the phone number that was causing problems. Mm.
1: So it didn't say that. So talk about... <laughs> it didn't say that. So when you talk about like testing those... By like popping something up. So, are you using something like Postman, or are you using like the GraphQL Explorer? Like, what do you what are you yeah. using for something uh, like that? I was using the Ruby API gem and the
0: console. Okay. But you can, okay. any gotcha. tool that lets you talk with Shopify's API is fine. So you can use curl. for all I right. care like as long as you get the tokens right. Um, mm-hmm. So just some way of playing with the API. But the big takeaway there again is that Matrixify doesn't have like a special error language. It's just
1: passing right. Up it's, the code it's, to it's just API. like. This is what Shopify told us, and this is what right. we're passing along here. Okay, gotcha. Which makes sense. And so once you uncover that, yeah.
0: it's helpful. Um, and so then that it really just became this process of like going through those records, trying to identify the categories of what was going wrong, making those updates. The other big one, at least in this data set I had, was it would sometimes have no shipping address information, but it would have billing address information. And so just copying the billing into the shipping because it wanted the shipping address. Uh, worked hmm. another one is it was... just because
1: someone who would mark like this is the same or like when it would be different like why would why would it be separate like you know what i mean yeah
0: i did it complain about that um
1: i had to look back my notes remember but it it's it a small like point it. of contention it's not a big deal yeah. yeah it's like it didn't like it so that's that's all that matters i was just curious
0: another big one was phone numbers like a lot of the phone numbers coming out were just garbage and i spent a lot of time trying to make those work like I add a lot to my script to, like, Hmm. check if the phone numbers were in the right format. But phone numbers, a lot like names, when you look at data from an international perspective, there's no standard. (laughs) It's all over the place. And so it's like, all right, I
1: could kill myself trying to figure this out. And and in their own database, they didn't format it, how it was stored. It was just all like, uh, here's just how it was dumped in.
0: Well, the way, I don't know how it was in the database, but what they sent out was just a random string. Numbers. (laughs) numbers because <laughs> is, yeah. is yeah is this the country code i don't know because it's just you know 16 digits all right whatever um <laughs> so i got over that to you and, and i guess that's kind of the final point of what i'm working on in terms of sharing here is that when it comes to importing stuff especially data sets this long don't let perfect become the enemy of good is that what i'm trying to say like you could kill yourself yeah. trying to get You'd, this yeah
1: yeah is <laughs> the enemy of
0: great well, yeah, that's I like that. Good to no, me angry.
1: Like that's—I don't know about the perfect thing. Maybe that's that's straight up Carl. You're, Maybe you're... I'm
0: not. No, I'm. What I'm trying to say is like settle for the ninety percent. <laughs> don't try to get to the hundred yeah. percent. So good. Yeah, you'll just Let, kill yourself.
1: Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. No, that. Well, that's that's my experience as, as well in migrations too. There's <laughs> there's just sometimes where you're gonna have to, you have to rerun batches. Like it's just what it is. You know. Yep.
0: And if you have a, a client, if you're doing this from a customer, like client perspective, like you got to just be honest with them and communicate well and help them understand mm-hmm. the cost benefit ratio, right? Like you want your historical data in Shopify, I totally get that. Let's get that over for you. But it's not going to be as perfect as the system that you're currently using in terms of the data quality, perhaps. And you need to mm-hmm. realize, are you okay with that? Like, what are the business cases? What are the big problems that you might be trying to solve where that would actually cause you trouble? Because most likely it's not going to cause you trouble. Um,
1: yeah. And, and that's, so I had that come over where we did that on a store that had 10,000 10, plus SKUs and I was using Matrixify and they, <laughs> they basically came back several times with, we we'd migrate all these products over and then they decide, you know what, like we actually want this to be the format or we, we want basically to totally change how we're like providing this or whatever. Right. So I probably re- imported deleted and then re-imported all of this stuff like i mean at least four times you know and so it it was yeah it was it was a lot and so it's just one of those things like like you had mentioned it's it's one of those things that it's not going to necessarily be perfect you're going to have to redo some stuff so when you are walking into a migration gig uh, of any sort whether you've done it several times or not i don't think you can ever go in and confidently be like this is going to happen first run uh, yep. it's just, it's something you're going to need to do a couple of times. You're going to have to be in good communication with the client, uh, as well. And then, yeah, end of the day, weighing the pros and cons of like how perfect or close to this, does this need to be? Cause some of that, especially when it comes to orders, orders is tough. You really can't do it without, uh, without some way of integrating with the API. You can't just directly load or there's no import feature other outside of the API. Right. And so you're using a tool like matrixify, uh, if you're not going to roll your own and, uh, might as well use Matrixify because that Shopify's recommended tool anyhow. So uh, at the end of the day, right? It's historical data, so at least you've got it. Uh, is the biggest thing in there for sure.
0: Well, there was a whole other section I was going to talk about, but we've been yammering almost an hour now, so I think I'll I'll save that for some on the future day. But you want to talk about picks or change log? I got one change log thing. Oh, let's hear your change log. Yeah, well, you didn't put anything, so I thought I better go find something. Oh, I did in all the work. I we did. did. Okay. I, I've got one, yeah, but you can do one and I'll do one. All right. I just saw on the changelog recently an announcement that uh, for folks that are working with the point of sale, the POS, that there's a new release of the UI extensions kit, which has a bunch of um, stuff if you're doing UI extensions in the POS world. You might want to check that out. Um, Taylor will put links in the show notes so you can get to that. And they included a Figma file, too, so you can take a peek at what the actual components look like. But, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know how many handy. folks are doing POS development. I don't I'm know, buddy. Yeah, someone would
1: be. It was supposed
0: to be there's, the hotness, and I don't know what happened, but here we are.
1: Well, I don't want to rag on POS. I've I've had folks that really like the POS, and I've had folks that have really not liked uh, yeah. POS, and so it's just one of those things. I think uh, I, I think it does need a lot of love, and so there's there's it's definitely like untapped territory. I think for devs who want to iterate in that space, I think I think it's a good deal. So and it's nice that they they are. Investing a lot more in it too. So, and it's also awesome. cool. Uh, so, pick? my or change log pick was they are continually building out meta objects a little bit more. So, there is uh, a changelog update for renderable and online store capabilities for meta objects. Oh. Uh, but basically, these um, renderable capabilities enable SEO metadata attributes in uh, meta objects. So the handy thing about this is like the way that they're further pushing more and more into, we're gonna be able to build like custom custom pages and things like that using meta objects, re- really even outside of just using something like uh, a template specifically for this or what have you. So mm-hmm. just meta objects are gonna continue, it seems like to expand more. So they do have the option now where this is capable, where uh, if you're using meta objects in a custom storefront, right? Like in a headless situation, Uh, it now has this ability where you can actually implement SEO metadata into it as well. And if you're using it on the online store, uh, just like if you go into um, add a uh, custom data and then add a meta object definition, there's now like a little feature flag that you can click on that uh, where it's enabled for web pages. And it'll actually give you this option where you can include things like page title, meta description, uh, and all this other stuff. So they're they're really building that out a lot more. Um, I'm starting to get more into meta objects. It's still um, a lot to use, but it's definitely something that I call that as a pick just because they're they're definitely making this more available. Where like, hey, if we want to use this as like a landing page or something like that that we're building out, we we need SEO for that. And so uh, now at least the the initial building blocks are here where we we're gonna be able to. Uh, deal with that directly, whether it's in the online store or in a headless option as well. So we'll link that up in the the notes as well, both to the change log and then also to the the dev docs there and the the new capabilities there. Whenever I think a headless storefronts
0: I always think I'd like to build a headless storefront toolkit myself, like a, a build system, yeah. and I would call it Ichabod, and then the building tool I would call Crane, and then we'd have Ichabod Crane for our headless storefront. <laughs>
1: That's perfect. Okay. You you put so much thought into this. <laughs> I
0: did. Um, all right, so pick of the week for me. Uh, I've been playing around, like I said, with ChatGPT and Copilot and stuff like that, and using them mm-hmm. to some level of success. But then I was reading some articles yesterday about the new model that, that uh, Meta base. No, not MetaBase, Meta, <laughs> just Meta. Facebook Meta put out. And, oh, okay, um, yes. Looking at that a little bit more, and I'm sure people are way ahead of me in terms of discovering this stuff. But I took a deeper look at a tool called Old Llama, if you're familiar oh, with it at all. A, a little bit. I think Toby tweeted about this, right? Okay. Maybe. And uh, the, the whole thing is it lets you run, create, and share large language models. And um, you can download it and run it. And since we now have access to some of these even program-specific models, like the one that Meta put out yesterday, I'm running this from my terminal. And it's just like a chat GPT session, but it's all local. It's I'm not paying for it. It's using these models. It's pretty cool. Ooh, and there's some people that have built some GUIs for it as well. And there's even some tools. I think one's called continue that brings it into VS Code as well. So it's nice. hard to believe it would have the same level of a polish as like a pilot which is, you know, got a team of developers working to make it seamless with VS Code. But for folks who don't have access to that or just want to play with it or have a budget, it's certainly an awesome opportunity. Very cool.
1: This is awesome. Man, I need to I need to look look into this a little bit more. So I'll I'll uh, do a, like a related pick. So one of my um, tools that I've been using as well when we're talking about the terminal uh, and also has some AI suggestions is the Warp terminal. Have you seen that? No. So I it's it a really was two warp. Oh, it was oh, it's two warp from what? Haven't you ever heard of OS2 Warp? OS2
0: version 3.0. It was called Warp back in the day. I bought it at Babbage's. It was 33.5 inch discs.
1: No, oh, uh, It was pretty cool. Uh, no, well Sorry. this is this is nothing uh, nothing nearly as cool as that. It's just it's just it's just a really nice uh, terminal. So for a while I was using fig.io to get like nice things like auto completions and stuff like that running, uh, and it's just got some really handy things in the terminal. Uh, But now, so something along the lines of, I just think it's handy, like with warp, you know, simple things like uh, that's actually like clickable. So like you can actually copy and paste into your terminal, uh, all this other stuff. Uh, So I'll, I'll send over a link to that. I don't, I don't know if I had sent you a link or not for that. Why? I I didn't update the show this time because yours, yours looked so good. And so I didn't want to like go jumping in there uh, and, and mess everything up, but so I'll, I'll at least drop this, but it'll also be... I'll, I'll drop this in our chat here, but then I'll also um, throw it up in the show notes here. But it is a really nice little terminal. You can, you can do fun little stuff with it too, like change the background. It's very customizable. Uh, but it does have the option to enable AI because it will auto-suggest uh, commands that you're trying to run based on whatever uh, environment you're currently in at that time. So it has been pretty handy. Uh, it does sometimes... Kind of the same thing as anything else with AI, sometimes it does give you inaccurate results so far. Uh, and so I think though it'll still continue to get built out, either way, for the moment, it's pretty neat as far as um what it can do. Definitely, if you don't want to like jump into playing around with those like ZSH, uh, you know, uh, HRC files or whatever sure. to like customize everything, uh, this is just really nice. I felt like I was tweaking stuff all the time with those to get things working. Um, I was using hyper for a while, but it was kind of slow. Uh, and this is just, this is just fast. Um, it works really, really well.
0: I do love me a good terminal. I'll have to check it out. I just, I'm just curious if the AI is going to start suggesting things like rm-rf forward slash, in which case. <laughs> <that's not laughs>
1: it. It's like, it's going to try to ruin everything. Well, this is, right. you know, some self-preservation instance there, hopefully. No, yeah. don't, don't get rid of it all. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, so, you yeah, you probably need to be careful, again, like with anything else, that caveat of, like, if you're using AI, you need to know a little yeah. bit about what you're doing. And the 6Mac specific? Uh, I think that it is, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, sorry for you, users. As it should users. be. Yeah, honestly, I would say, it's been so long that I've been using a Mac that I forget sometimes. But there's, I don't know if you saw that online, too. There's been a lot of back and forth on, like. like People talking about you know how uh, overdone a lot of the new Macs are and how Windows uh, devices are really they're really coming to their own here. I do like a lot of stuff Microsoft's been doing lately.
0: Yeah, investing in open source, all this other stuff. Windows is the operating system. Oh, that was my bread and butter. You know, then I went to Linux, and then I had to get stuff done, mm-hmm. so I went to Mac. So I can understand people that run Linux on PC hardware and development. The Windows thing, I still struggle with because I'm just, I find it. Hard, but maybe I need to take another look. I'm humble. Yeah, I could do well, that. as
1: soon as they they integrated like Windows sub Linux, right? Like that, that made things like a lot better. You can actually use sure. a terminal uh, on Windows and stuff now, so that's really handy. Uh, just feel like there's I think another layer of thinking
0: that has to happen there. I don't know. Maybe that's just me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get Like that. it's kind of I, Linux, or do... not. So. Yeah, I, I do feel like it. things have gotten easier when I switched to a Mac as far as, like, I've felt more productive uh, in everything. So, who knows? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I, it's been a while since I've had to touch a, a PC, you know. Although, I will say the one thing I miss
0: about running the PC is that uh, gaming was so much easier. But I don't really game anymore, so it's, it's okay. But it was nice to have a beefy machine yep. for both. So. It's true. It's true. Anyway. Cool, man. I think I had had that covers it. That's yeah, all the notes. I think so. Yeah. All right.
1: Yeah, well, you you had a lot of good things to say about migrations. I I thought it was interesting. I know you're worried about people falling asleep here, but I thought it was really interesting. Okay, well, I'm sure that if you listen to it at two x, it will be
0: pretty pretty palatable. So, <laughs> awesome.
1: All right, thanks, Taylor. Good to see you. Yep. You too, man. Catch you next Bye. time.